nurses. Welcome to the Nurse Dot Podcast, giving nurses validation, resources, and hope one episode at a time. Welcome back to part two of this very special two-part episode. Let's pick things up where we left off. Lisa, I had a question for you because when you were talking about these different approaches and you named off a few of the different approaches to precepting, can you kind of drill down a little bit on those and explain them in a little bit more detail just so the listeners kind of understand like the different types of precepting that maybe they could come to expect or ask for <laughs> if they're not getting it? Sure, I'll, I'll do the best that I can to explain So, you know, within the recent residency, we've always followed the novice to expert team preceptorship model and have integrated a married state approach. So there's really kind of three models all in one. And what basically what we're trying to do here is making sure, as I described earlier, where you try to partner your new grads with a newer preceptor in the very beginning. You have a very novice new graduate nurse partnering them with a competent level preceptor who's technically in a novice preceptor role. And then moving them to the proficient preceptor and eventually to the expert uh, preceptor level. So there's a team of preceptors working with a new graduate nurse. And in addition to that, there's the married state approach. And what that is, is you and your preceptor are tied hip to hip. The preceptor and the new graduate nurse will take one patient assignment. When the preceptor goes and break, the new grad, the preceptor goes and break when they have a patient who may have to go to radiology, for example, or need to get some tests done, the new grad, the preceptor goes along with that nurse. That allows the new graduate nurse to have a safe place, right, to make sure that we're prioritizing safety, especially when you're so new in that environment. And the new grad also gets to experience what it's actually like if you're taking care of for six patients, what does that look like? And how do you manage your time? What happens when you had to take your patient down for a test or somebody's asking, one of the physicians is asking for a report? How do you balance all of that? The whole concept of married state and a team preceptor approach also has several different opportunities there for organizations to implement. One, because you can use, you can have a larger pool of preceptors, probably those that you haven't thought about maybe including as a preceptor because they're new, maybe a year and a half out or two years out, but they can precept in that very beginning part of the residency program. It's, if it's just about how do you get to, where's the medication room? How do I get the linen? How do I get started with having conversations with physicians? And so a newer nurse can certainly precept in that manner. So that's one of the benefits of using the novice to expert team preceptor approach. And that also helps with not burning out your preceptors. Precepting for a long time is hard work. I've been there. 
And you want to do the best for your patient at the same time you're also teaching your, your preceptee during those interactions. So you're talking constantly. So having a team preceptor approach helps uh, decrease that preceptor burnout as well. So that's the model that we've used in Versant. A couple of other things that we have seen is a tiered skill acquisition model. It's very similar to the team preceptor approach, but the new grad stays with one preceptor the entire time. The difference is the focus of the skills grows over time. So it's looking at what are the basic skills we need to do? How do we then build in those skills and eventually, again, moving into those clinical judgment, critical thinking skills? So these different preceptor models focuses on how do we help the new grads feel more confident and competent and have a safe space as their orienting into their new environment. I love that. I think that it is really important, especially in today's climate, having to be so mindful of not burning out your preceptors because you need them. I mean, you have to have them. You cannot bring new nurses into a hospital system and not have them have preceptors. At the same time, I think we have to think about how everything has now shifted with regards to travel nurses and how travel nurses coming to a new institution and requiring some level of preceptorship, even if it's for a few days, where they're just orienting you for a couple of days. After a while, these senior nurses or these staff nurses or they're just like, oh my gosh, I just want to go do my job. Like, I just want to go and take care of my patients. And I don't want to keep telling people how to badge in or how to do this or where the band-aids are, where they can get these, you know, these types of supplies. And they're just in this perpetual training all the time. So in some ways, do you think it's the nurses that are on the floor that should be the preceptors? Or do you think that it really should be people who sign up just to be like, let's say, for example, like I'm like, you know what? I haven't worked on a floor in a while, but I really would love to precept. I'd love to go in and just third party, like just contractor, (laughs) like the contractor preceptor. Because you come in and you can shadow one of these new nurses, but you don't necessarily, maybe you don't necessarily work at that establishment. You go through a little bit of training, but you don't work at the establishment, but you're there, but you're not counted as a head. You know, it's uh, it's interesting that you bring that because there's a lot of uh, new preceptor models that's emerging, right? One is even having a preceptor lead role in the organization where there's one preceptor, the new grads are assigned a buddy, but that buddy just serves as that person they're going with. It's one preceptor who's going around a unit with all of the different new grads observing them, validating their performance and documenting their performance and their assessment. It's a new role that's being implemented by some organizations. There's also a virtual preceptor model that is up and coming. There's not a lot of data that's out there yet, but it's similar in a way to what you're describing, right? So it's somebody who's not on the unit or just serves as a resource person, but not necessarily 
technically employed by the organization and not counted as a head. I think with all of the challenges that we're having right now in healthcare and all of the turmoil, I think we need to be open to the possibility of having new preceptor models that we can implement. What I would be cautious of is making sure that whatever model we implement, we support those individuals who are in that role to make sure that they are prepared to be a preceptor, that they can support the new graduate nurses and that we, we meaning all of the new grads, the preceptors, the organization, the leaders understand that we're working towards the same outcomes and the same goals. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's like when we talk about standardizing care, right? It's like you also want to have a standardization for preceptors so that there is a certain quality that you can expect from them and for the people who are receiving the benefits of their preceptorship. I absolutely agree. I also think that it's really important to have diversity to what you're saying. So if you only have one person on the floor who's doing it, then you have one person's opinion about something. You have one person's level of education, one person's level of experience, and that doesn't really provide a ton of diversity, you know, in terms of like thought leadership, right? I think that there's all this stuff to consider. And I I love just kind of having this debate around what is the best model If you could create the perfect model that would preserve the staff nurses at a hospital and and allow them to do the work that they do, but maybe they come in and they do a day where that's their job for that day, but they are not assigned a patient load. And that's really the reason why that preceptor lead role is something that some organizations started thinking about. We're not going to assign you a patient load, but you're going to visit with each new grad in their unit and see how they're doing. Because if you already have four or five patients, you're really busy. Sometimes you don't have time to really assess your new graduate's performance outside of teaching and educating and just coaching. So then this preceptor lead can have that opportunity to do that. I think the other challenge for many preceptors too, especially when you start having multiple preceptors, it's great to have the diversity of knowledge and experiences, even the preceptor's own professional development experiences. There still needs to be a way to manage a standardized orientation so everybody is teaching to the policy and procedure that we're not diverting from the evidence-based practice that's out there. So there's that level of standardization that no matter who you are as a preceptor, whether you are brought in by another organization or you're a virtual preceptor, we need to keep that standardized. And then all of the other pieces that you talked about, that's where we can customize the experience to the new grad. Hey, nurses. Did you know that Nurse.com is the ultimate destination for all nurses? It's where you can find your nurse life in one place. That's right. Everything from networking with your peers and continuing education to industry news and career opportunities. It's all there for you. Nurse.com is your dedicated platform to explore a wide range of job opportunities from all across the nation. Whether you're a fresh graduate testing the waters or a seasoned pro desiring for a change in scenery, we've got you covered. 
nurse.com forward slash jobs features posts from entry level to executive leadership in every practice setting, even in specialties you might not have considered. So why wait? Leverage your skills and passion in an opportunity worthy of both. Visit nurse.com forward slash jobs today and initiate your journey towards the next chapter in your nursing career. Absolutely. Tiff, what are you thinking as you're hearing us talk about this? What is going on in your mind? Like, what are you thinking about? A lot of things. I think that it is so important to, as a new grad, I think it is so important to feel some sort of sense of belonging. You need to, as a new grad, you need to have a person, hopefully more than one or people that you feel comfortable with because inadequacy is a really real feeling for new grads. I remember feeling that way and there's still days that I do, but I know who my people are that will help me through that, that I feel comfortable asking questions to. So I think the reason why I love that precepting role so much for new grads is because I can meet them where they're at and I still remember what it's like to be the new kid, not kid new old mom on the floor. So I think that it's super, super important to make sure that you're building those relationships in the workplace so that when things hit the fan and it's stressful, that you feel confident that your coworkers are going to support you and help you through that. So building those relationships like immediately so that they feel comfortable is my big goal in life in our department. But I also agree that you kind of need to get a taste of knowledge from all of the coworkers. So I think if you can build that initial great connection with those new grads that are coming in, eventually uh, what I try to do after I've had them for a few times, I try to bring in new friends for them to feel comfortable with. Um, not that I don't want to continue helping them, but I there's going to be shifts that I'm not with them. If they're not scheduled with me, I still want them to have a tip on their shift where they feel comfortable being like, hey, I'm not real sure where this is or can you help me? Because it's hard to speak up. And it's hard to speak up when you're new to the facility and not only just new to the facility, but new to the nursing profession in general. There's so many things to learn. I think it's so important to be able to know who your people are. So the more teammates that you can get on board, but like Larissa said, sometimes the burnout is very real. You find a really great preceptor. And what do you want to do? Uh, you want to give her all your new people. You want to make sure that you do it her way and learn from her. She's been here a great time. But it's hard because it's very difficult to take care of a full patient load and be teaching at the same time. You tend to run a little bit slower because I want to make sure, you know, when I'm precepting, I want to make sure that my nurse is comfortable and that she understands the why. It's not just, we'll do this and we'll talk about, there's never a good time to talk about it later because after 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 hours, which is our maximum here in our facility, there's not really time to talk about that. So if you can take that time, but it's difficult with that full patient load at times. So you really, it becomes a time management. And like I said earlier, our staff was very tired. Uh, when I came on board. So with COVID, it's, it's been difficult. And some of these nurses haven't had, you know, they made a lot of changes in nursing school post COVID. So some of the basics of, you know, making a bed and some of the long-term care facilities that we were able to start in, in first semester, these nursing students have never had. They were never allowed to go into, you know, a nursing home or long-term care facility. So they don't have some of those basics. And that's where I learned a lot of great things was able to pick up from some senior nurses in that setting. So not only are we 
tired and busy. (laughs) We also are tired, busy, and we don't have the experience of what grads have had in the last five years. So kind of making up for that lost time can be quite difficult. Welcome to a segment we call The Dot Spot, where you will hear more of your voice and a little less of mine. You can visit nurse.com forward slash podcast to share stories, feedback, and requests. As a valued listener, you will also receive discounts on nurse.com courses and CEUs by using code nurse.dot at the checkout. Today on The Dot Spot, we welcome Amy Jo Stanley, registered nurse and versin coordinator at Wayne Healthcare. Think about what your preceptor knew when they were your preceptor. They didn't get that training. They didn't know all of the things. And if that one individual preceptor did, that's great. But that didn't mean that she knew the same thing as her person sitting next to her. So standardizing that knowledge for the department means that at any moment that I need to turn to my next door nurse and say, can you help me? We're on the same page. We know what we're doing. We can work together. And it doesn't have to be a, let me break you down to build you up, to mold you into what I need you to be. But that is, I think, originally the thought process behind that, whether that's military or otherwise. And it also comes down to, is that a culturally accepted norm? Is leadership supportive of lateral violence or is there a zero tolerance? We make assumptions based on the education that we received. So you have to get some level of understanding of like what they've actually been exposed to before you can even start to teach. Absolutely. So, so important. I do like a little interview with any nurse or student that I get, just, you know, all of those things, asking those questions and then finding out their why. What's your why? Why do you want to be a nurse? Why do you want to be here? Um, Just so that I can kind of, like you said, meet them where they're at. So important. So that you know, if they are passionate about something, then let's go talk about that a little bit and bring that into your practice, all those good things so that you stay and and ultimately enjoy what you're doing. Absolutely. And you're done in a year. Like I get it. So let's figure out the why and where you're at and let's go from there. Larissa, you, uh, you came off mute. What do you, what do you think about this? I'm just loving everything that Kev is saying. You know, when you started talking about you're introducing the new grad to other nurses in the organization and there's a tip for every shift. I love that, by the way. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you said that, Larissa, because I literally, we got too far from it, but I was like, a tiff on your shift. That is like the name of a program. I was like, Versen's going to have a tiff on your shift. It's going to be like the podcast series. Tiff, I think you have a podcast coming. Okay. Tiff on your shift. The Versen podcast, Tiff on your shift. It kind of reminds me of what um, a couple of colleagues and friends and I have talked about. You know, I was, gosh, maybe two and a half years into my clinical practice when I decided I'm going to join the residency team and really build 
the residency program so that it's where it is now and it's beyond just supporting new graduate nurses, but really versant now an organization that supports the onboarding and using a competency-based framework. So to me, it's looking for my tribe, looking for those individuals who I can ask questions and feel safe and talk through our experiences because as a nurse executive, I'm not a nurse executive from a hospital. I'm a nurse executive in a business setting. So when you were describing how you're introducing the new grads to other people in the organization, it's you're helping them find their tribe. And you really are promoting raising these new graduate nurses as a village. And I love that. And that's really one of those ways that I've seen and even in our data that we collect if you feel like you belong in an organization, if you feel like you belong in the unit, it's hard to leave. Absolutely. Yep. And so I love that. And statistically, you know, they might be able to go somewhere else for better things financially, but they're going to stay where they're comfortable. So my job, because I'm just a little bit of an older nurse, like I'm a baby nurse, I know the importance of if we're going to spend a lot of time together. We need to feel like we're friends, like this is, you know, our second family. And, you know, with long hours and long shifts, it's really, really important to like who you're working with. It's not always going to happen, but it's really important to make sure that if things hit the fan and we're really far away from the hospital that these patients need to go to, you need to be able to have somebody to lean on. We sometimes have that kind of sibling-esque relationship. I find sometimes like a brother-sister, sister-sister type of relationship. It's like, look, I can say that to her, but you can't say that to her. (laughs) You know, we have this camaraderie. We might be able to be very candid and frank and, and honest and say like, hey, you know what? I need this and I need this right now. And maybe it sounded really rushed and frank, but I'm in an emergency and I can't mince words right now. But there will be that that immediate kind of understanding amongst each other. We don't take it personally. Absolutely. You know, she hasn't had a lunch yet. Kara hasn't eaten. She's hangry. Just ignore the fact that she didn't say thank you before (laughs) or after something. But we're very protective. But turn around and have somebody from the outside of that team say something to your colleague and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't talk to her like that. (laughs) You know, so... Even so, care like if that relationship isn't built and that foundation isn't there, if that person, you know, another nurse does get upset or is hangry or having a bad day, you do take it personal because you haven't built that bond with them or built that relationship with them because, you know, you're just hip to hip with one person. So it's super important to kind of build that family line and make sure that you have a lot of tiffs wherever you're at. You have a lot of tiffs. You have a tiff on your shift. You're going to have to trademark that or something. You really do. I I am expecting a podcast to come out called Tiff on Your Shift. And I'm going to be like, I'll come to you. Wherever you are, I'll come to you. (laughs) I will subscribe to your podcast, Tiff. Perfect. (laughs) Well, I don't want to keep you ladies much longer. I'm just really incredibly grateful for the work that you both are doing. Larissa, you're leading an incredible organization, and I really see what you're doing as the pathway to sustainability in this practice, and that if we don't figure out how to do this, we're not going to keep nurses around. It's just not going to happen. I'm thankful that there's people like you that are out there doing it. And then I also, you know, Tiff, there's a Tiff on your shift somewhere, you know, just find your Tiff. (laughs) 
I'm also so grateful for the fact that you went through nursing school during a pandemic, came out at one of the worst times in history, and yet you still have a light about you. I can tell that you're passionate and you might be tired and I'm sure you're tired. I have no doubt you have five kids and you're working in an ER and you're precepting. Tired is a yes, yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, but you also seem to just exude an incredible amount of positivity and hope. And I think like that is what we really have to keep with us. So I just wanted to say my thank yous. Thank you so much. Thank you for this opportunity. I, and I keep thinking about how do we continue to support our preceptors and how do we highlight their contributions to nursing. You know, we're talking about nurses and how much we have done during the pandemic, but gosh, our preceptors on an ongoing basis. So I appreciate that you're highlighting the role of the preceptors through this podcast. And I know that the DAISY Foundation has also just released their Meaningful Recognition Program for preceptors. It's due to start highlighting Probably long overdue, like most things in nursing. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? Better late than never, right? (laughs) One step at a time. (laughs) That's right. We're here one step at a time. That's right. Well, again, thank you. I can't wait to speak to you both again, hopefully very soon. And I'm also very excited about uh, the Daisy Foundation and their recognition of preceptors. And, you know, nurse.com is just a huge supporter of, of both Versant and, and, uh, and the Daisy Foundation. So... Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Tiff. Thank you, ladies. Thank you so much. It was so good to speak with you today. And thank you for all that you're doing for our profession and for preceptors and moving us forward. All good things. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you. If you are a nurse who enjoyed this episode and you have an idea for future episodes, you can connect with me by downloading the nurse.com app. Nurse Dot is a Nurse.com original podcast series. Production, music, and sound editing by Don Lunsford. Production coordination by Rhea Wade. Additional editing by John Wells. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in to the Nurse Dot podcast. Until next time, keep spreading the love and the care.